0: This is the City of God podcast where Christ meets culture. Welcome to the City of God podcast. My name is Rob Pacienza, and each week on this podcast, we are exploring the big issues in our culture all through the lens of God's infallible word. I'm joined today by my co-host, John Rabe. And John, uh, today we're going to be talking about disinformation, uh, and we've seen censorship in the last few years, predominantly from big tech. We've also seen it on social media platforms, covering up the Hunter Biden laptop story right. uh, in the 2020 election. Uh, but now we, we are
1: seeing censorship on an entirely new level. We are, and it's reason for all of us to concern, not just because information is being withheld from us, but in some cases our history is being rewritten. Uh, we're being fed things that we don't even know that we're being fed, and we have to look at this and say, what to what end? What is, what is the purpose here? Rob, kind of the jumping off point for this, many people will have by now heard, about this really wild story, the children's author, the late children's author Roald Dahl, who most famously wrote *Charlie and the Chocolate Factory*, from which we get *Willy Wonka*, uh, wrote uh, you know a number of other uh, children, *James and the Giant Peach*, some 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 well loved children's stories. His Uh, His work is being edited after the fact without any sort of announcement where new editions of his book have been in many cases changed on a large-scale basis to make him, quote-unquote, more palatable, less offensive, more politically correct. And with really no notice given, Uh, there was a story, um, the NPR actually carried this, but the the first story was carried by the British newspaper, The Telegraph. So they cite that in here. Uh, The British newspaper, The Telegraph, first reported that the... The publisher of Dahl's books, Puffin, made hundreds of changes to the original texts of the author's well-known children's book. The character Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is no longer called fat. Instead, he's described as enormous. The Telegraph reports, instead of being called small men, Oompa Loompas are now small people, the article says. Further, the changes to these books include adding language not originally written by Dahl. In his 1983 book, The Witches, he writes that witches are bald beneath their wigs. According to The Telegraph, an added line in New Edition says, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there is certainly nothing wrong with that, unquote. And I I laugh because it's obviously ridiculous, but it's also not just comical because we're starting to see signs of, of 1984 here, language is used to control people. It's used to change the way that people think. And when you can go in and change an author's works without anybody knowing about it in order to accomplish a certain agenda, in order to make them more palatable, you're really... Uh, delving into something, how do we then know what's true? How do we yeah. know what was originally written? Absolutely. And first of all, I mean, we're talking about one of the great storytellers
0: of the 20th century. We own his books. Our children have read yeah. his books and uh, as families have done for so many years. Uh, but you, you you, hit on a key point there. Uh, we, we read something like this and the tendency for Christians is to go, okay, we don't agree, but what's the big deal? hmm it's the agenda. You yeah. said the word agenda. Because there's an agenda behind this dis- you know, the the disinformation, rewriting of history, uh, changing words, changing language, and it sets a precedent in our ever-shifting culture. Uh, we often talk about the dangers of cancel culture, and I, in in my opinion, this is just another example of the progressives in our culture, the the cultural elites that want to cancel, rewrite, redefine words, and like I said. Christians need to understand the ramifications and the precedent that this sets that there is a an agenda a one-sided agenda Uh, to change the meaning of words, to rewrite history, and to introduce a whole new vocabulary to the next generation. Uh,
1: That's a big part of it, That introducing the new vocabulary. And and, uh, I've heard it said, and I think this is one of the best ways to put it, that all of our current cultural battles really are are battles over the dictionary. Mm -hmm. They're battles over definitions. And and when you think about the trans debates, what is a woman? What is a man? It's a battle over definitions. Uh, Obergefell and same-sex marriage, marriage is really not about who can get married, though it's portrayed that way. It's about what is the definition of marriage. So, Words really do matter, and when you see this stuff being changed, you know the uh, the term we have the term Orwellian because of George Orwell in nineteen eighty four, and that's what this big totalitarian government would do is rewrite history and actually change the language, and and so you had that term in their new speak that they would introduce a new way of speaking that would convey what the government wanted conveyed. Now this isn't the government, uh, but it is uh, ideologically driven private actors who are going back and subtly changing things to convey a message that is not even a message that the authors intended to convey, which is worrisome to me. Absolutely. You mentioned Orwell. One of the great quotes from that book, 1984, is
0: this, every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every state and street building has been renamed, every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. Mm. And we are just seeing this before our very eyes. And this this really is, I mean, we talk about cancel culture, redefining words, but this is part of the neo-Marxist movement in our nation, in our society, having to redefine terms because they say the, 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 the terms that have existed in our society for uh, the last 200 years, for instance, were words and ideas and virtues and values that were uh, developed and defined by uh, an oppressor. Uh, right. Yeah. And it, 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 uh, the white male right. uh, that has had uh, dominance or uh, positions of power in our society. Hege-
1: hegemony is uh, it, it, the it, other it, word Exactly. Used.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so we're seeing people being pitted against each other, even when it comes to Words, language, and uh, the definition of ideas. No,
1: I, I think that that's exactly right. And then you bring the di- the big tech angle into it. That's what makes this also a little bit different because in in Orwell, it's the government, and and obviously the government has a monopoly on violence. That's one of the definitions of government is that they're the ones that that are able to exercise violence to, in order to keep order. Um, so it's the, the government is always the the thing you have to most worry about. But what we have happening is. Many times it's publishing companies, it's tech companies that are uh, enacting these sorts of things, and so you end up changing words. You end up changing definitions. Uh, this again, uh, you quoted Orwell, one more quote from the novel 1984, you know, about this idea of new speak, changing the language where, uh, you know, a, a woman can be someone who exists in a male body and, and has, you know, a, a male chromosomes, but is a woman, you know, you're, you're, you're changing the definition of words. you, you and, and so Orwell, Called it in in his novel, they called it Newspeak, this new way of speaking Mm -hmm. that was going to change everything. And one of the characters says, Don't you see that the whole aim of Newspeak is to narrow the range of thought? In the end, we shall make thought crime literally impossible because there will be no words with, in which to express it. Every concept that can ever be needed will be expressed by exactly one word with its meaning rigidly defined and all its subsidiary meanings rubbed out and forgotten. So there's this, this controlled language, but, but Rob, with, with the, the tech angle of it now— what you have happening is is private companies are doing things like this and so you mentioned right at the outset the the Twitter's control of the New York Post story that turned out to be true mm-hmm. uh, about Hunter Biden that they suppressed at election time uh, but you see things happening in, for instance I don't know if you I, I own a Kindle an Amazon Kindle sure. it's a great little device sure. I'm still I like I like hardcover books yep. you know I like hard copies but it's it's convenient you can download things you can you can take hundreds of books with you you know in your suitcase. So, well, you have books on there, but people may not realize you don't actually own those books. You've you've paid for them. They're on your device, but Amazon still controls those. So a company like Amazon could, if they wanted, if they decide a book is offensive or is problematic, they could remove it right off of your Kindle and you can't do a thing about it. They can change sentences and words and paragraphs in that book replace it with a with an updated version without you even knowing so when you have a, such a high tech world as we have now the opportunity to manipulate language is greater than it's ever been and the actual manipulation the product the manipulation of language really does cause a a a clear and present danger
0: for all of us. Absolutely. And for the church, we need to ask the question, uh, what is the ultimate attack? And the ultimate attack is attack on absolute truth. Yes, Is there such a thing as absolute truth in our society, in a society that seems like it's, Always shifting, things are always changing, and the neo-Marxist agenda and the cancel culture agenda is to constantly be changing terms, t- changing what is true. Uh, the cultural elites get to define what is true and what is false, what is good and what is evil, and we need to understand that when we see things that seem on the surface uh, like um, you know, like a petty, yeah, uh, and trivial, trivial and petty, and you know, not something the church should be engaged in, we should be really engaged, and we should really be concerned uh, because ultimately, as I said, this is attack on absolute truth and you take it a step further, we're even seeing it in History. We're seeing it in our civics classes. We're seeing it in our history classes in our public school system, and the embrace of the 1619 Project, which right. totally wants to rewrite history and redefine what truly happened uh, in America. And I even saw recently that I believe there's some special out there uh, on television, yeah. uh, the 1619 Project they it that into you can into see on, series, I on think. Hulu. Hulu yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So we're just seeing this agenda, this attack, and it is uh, attacking and engaging the minds of our next generation and the people of God need to be aware.
1: I think it's the stealth aspect of it that's also particularly troubling. You know, the 1619 Project is presented as a project of the New York Times, you know, the bastion of, uh, the supposed bastion of truth in America, the 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 gray lady, all the news that's fit to print. So, there's this idea that this there's authority here, and there's this stealth presentation of a rewriting of history without pointing out, hey, by the way, you should just know that what we're saying is completely out of step with his History as we've known it uh, you know for the previous several hundred years um, that that stealth aspect of it it may not seem like that's it's that big of a deal when we're dealing with Roald dolls you know James and the giant peach but what happens when you go onto your Kindle to read your Bible someday and someone has changed Romans 1? And they haven't told you that they've changed Romans 1, and and yet they're able to do it from headquarters. What happens when you go, uh, you know, you go and buy a Bible in the store and you have no notice that offensive quote-unquote offensive sections have been taken out changed and uh and and that's what you purchase in the store there if you can do one you can do the other and it's not hard to see how one gets to the other And we live in a society where there's
0: no acknowledgement of an absolute being who defines what is true uh big tech is now defining what is true and this is a topic for another uh, another day in another podcast but then you we open up the door to the new innovation in big tech, uh, OpenAI, yeah. and now all of a sudden we're going to be getting our research, our information, our essays, our term papers. Uh, the students in, you know, from high school to the university level are going to be getting information, and the question is who is writing that information, who is putting that information out on the internet and on the web. Um, And I think we're going to, we're, we're seeing Pandora's box open as far as how we receive information and asking the question, is it really true? Yeah. And, and who is defining whether it's true or not, you know, going back to this issue on history and, and 1619 project, once again, You know, the the church asking the question, how does this affect me? Mm. And when we see what's happening with the 1619 Project in America and rewriting the history books, we have to ask ourselves, what can we learn from history? What has happened in China? in the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. when they began to censor information, when they began to rewrite their history, when they began to take the idea of an absolute being an absolute truth out of the public's square and the state became purely secular all we have to do is learn from history and what has happened in those two case studies. Uh, Any society that has rejected an absolute being and rejected absolute truth and has gone towards a purely secular state where the state can define what is true Mm -hmm. and what is false, the state can rewrite the history books, utter chaos. History speaks for itself. So if we want to be ignorant to what is happening as the church and think, this really doesn't affect me, Things like cancel culture, big tech censorship, and 1619 Project, we need to be very aware. We need to be vigilant uh, um, uh, about what is happening and realize that it's really an attack on uh, the presence of God and God's people in the public square.
1: I think that's well said, Rob. And and you know it, it, where we where we have to step back and look at this and say, okay, as as Christians again, aren't we are we just getting upset about some sort of culture war issue? There really is at the base of this. You've mentioned it a couple of times: the, the reality of truth, objective truth, the definitions of truth. You're a pastor of a, of a growing and a, a, in many cases a young congregation. You know. The landscape is much different than it was when your predecessor, D. James Kennedy, was in the pulpit. And and and, and these issues were certainly, uh, you know, taking hold when he was in the pulpit. But um, you had a world in which basically people still agreed that truth – was out there that it was that it existed that it was objective, and we were arguing over who who understands it the best or who's right about it. Now you've completely lost that idea, of virtually of 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 objective truth. There's your truth, there's my truth, and who could say what the truth is? Um, so from a pastoral perspective, as you as you deal with people on this, where do you find that that uh, Christians are most challenged? Uh, you know, culturally challenged? Where we're sort of soaking up the culture and failing to recognize the, the battle that, here. That's a
0: great question. So wh- whether I'm talking to Christians inside our church or outside the church, I'm always trying to connect the dots for mm-hmm. them. Um, and so trying to help them understand that at the foundation of the American experiment was the Judeo-Christian worldview. And the Ju- Judeo-Christian worldview said that rights like freedom of speech the free exercise of religion, all of the liberties that we have experienced and benefited from for about 250 years in this nation, where did they come from? That Judeo-Christian foundation, understanding that the God of providence, the God who has blessed our nation, has given us these rights and these freedoms. So big tech censorship cancel culture, neo-Marxism, the 1619 Project, are all an attempt to silence, to remove these freedoms, to remove these God-given liberties. And if we don't wake up as the people of God, where are we going to be in 10, 20, 30 years? Are we going to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Are we going to be able to share our faith in the public square? Are pastors going to be able to proclaim these truths, these absolute truths uh, from the pulpit um, on uh, the Lord's day? Uh, So you just see the slow creep into our uh, culture, uh, whether it's the university systems or uh, our governments or technology, whether it's social media or mainstream media, and Christians need to understand what's at stake. I'm often reminded of history repeating itself. Uh, The people of God in the book of Daniel are brought from Jerusalem. They're exiled and brought into captivity into Babylon. In Daniel chapter one, it says the king taught them the language of the Chaldeans. Mm. The language of the Chaldeans was the language of the Babylonians. What was happening there? They were saying, we're going to replace the word of Yahweh with the words of a Babylonian, pagan culture. Right. Words matter. We saw even in Daniel chapter 1 the redefinition of words, giving the people of God a new language. And but thankfully the story says but Daniel, Daniel resolved to not eat of the king's food and drink of the king's wine. He refused to embrace the language of his cultural moment. we need more Daniels in our culture right now that have the resolve, the resolve of a Daniel to say, no, I won't be censored, I won't be silenced, I won't allow the history books to be rewritten, because I believe in something called absolute objective truth that comes ultimately from God. And I I hope all Christians uh, can wake up and understand that this is such an important time for us in our nation and in our society.
1: Rob, that is an extremely important point that, that you bring up, because it occurs to me, it's not even enough to understand this, to know, okay, truth is under attack, and we have objective truth in God, and he's revealed it to us in the Bible, in his word. I've always noticed, that to me, it's very significant that Jesus Christ is the word. Words are very important to God. Language is very important to God. But uh, it's not enough to just know. You talked about that resolve that there has to be a decision to to stand because the reality is the cultural winds are such right now that our views are considered on a number of topics to be intolerant and in today's culture intolerance equals hate and hate equals violence and so if you hold certain views now you are tantamount to being a murderer and that uh that 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 conviction is growing stronger and stronger in the culture and so there's a real dichotomy there between the culture's view and our view and there is increasing heat Uh, when you hold a Christian view. It's not going to be enough to just believe it deep in your heart, Mm -hmm. in your prayer closet. At some point, we're going to have to stand for it, and that's going to require resolve.
0: Absolutely. Uh, As I said just earlier, you know, the Judeo-Christian worldview as foundational to a free society as we have here in America uh, is so important for us to understand that this is what's at stake right now in our society. You know, we're living in a a moment right now in our nation where everybody is crying out for equality justice and liberty the christians want it the non-christians want it the Mm -hmm. secular elites want it the neo-marxists want it everybody is pursuing and crying out for justice equality and liberty the question is where does that come from Mm you can't have liberty without a shared morality. You can't have a shared morality without the free exercise of religion. The free exercise of religion comes from an acknowledgement that there is a God and that God alone is the one that is to be worshipped, that God alone is the one where all of our liberties ultimately come from, that he is the God that has bestowed blessings upon us. These are words and language that is built into our founding documents as a nation. So once Mm -hmm again why should the church wake up and be concerned about what is happening yes do christians want justice absolutely thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven it is only when god is embraced when god is acknowledged when christians have a free have the freedom to exercise their religion not only in private but in public can true justice can true equality and true liberty be realized and
1: acknowledged and experienced by all people. And it, you, as you define or lay out those conditions for equality and liberty, it seems to me too, justice, if you're going to have true justice, you have to have that shared moral framework and you have to have a judge. I, I, you can't have justice yep. without a judge. Yep. And yet we want to be, we want the judge to be ever changing with the winds of today, yep. which are out of step. with it's the acknowledgement of an
0: absolute being, which leads to religion, religion that leads to a shared morality, shared morality morality that leads to liberty and liberty and justice for all. You can't have one without the other. Mm. So in a world that's crying out for justice and an American society that's crying out for justice, it's only when our rights and our freedoms and the free exercise of religion is protected and promoted. And this is why, precisely why Christians should be concerned about censorship, Cancel culture, neo Marxism, and the rewriting of history.
1: In your pastoral opinion, as you are uh, talking to people in the business world, talking to people in your congregation, do you feel that Christians are adequately prepared? To face this heat, and and again, I don't want to overstate it. We're we're still, you know, we're not we're not necessarily talking about people being rounded up yet, but there is heat coming already. Uh, you you can lose jobs over this stuff. You can be denied jobs over this stuff for holding unapproved viewpoints that are just traditional Christian viewpoints. You can end up on the Southern Poverty Law Center's, uh, you know, hate map as, as happened to James Ken- yep. Kennedy Ministries for holding to a biblical view of marriage. Are are Christians in America ready, are they equipped to stand and face some heat on this without capitulation, in your opinion?
0: Unfortunately not. Mm. Uh, if, if the statistics are true, uh, for instance, from Barna research, um, there are more Christians in North America than ever in history. Unfortunately, only 6% of them have a biblical worldview. That means only 6% of the Christian population in North America is using the infallible Word of God to make decisions concerning their family, education, government, politics, what they watch— what they filter mm. through their uh, the the lens of uh, what their children and their families are receiving through the mainstream media and the social media so it's important for not only to acknowledge Christ as lord but understand how his lordship transcends into every square inch of their life from their business to their homes to their family to their voting to their politics to the way they absorb and think about what they hear and see on mainstream media and the Social media. So it's important for pastors to be talking about these cultural issues from the pulpit, but also providing venues and opportunities and discussion groups uh, for how they can connect the dots between what they profess to believe on Sunday morning and how it's lived out throughout the rest of the week
1: amen I, I think that's again extraordinarily well said and the only thing I would add to this entire discussion as a postscript it's a it's a minor one but I think an important one it's a good idea to buy hard copies of your media, buy books, buy, you know, if you, if you want buy DVDs, buy CDs, don't leave it in the hands of big tech. If it's sitting there in your house, you own it. If it's sitting on a server somewhere with big tech, they own it and they can do whatever they want with it.
0: Amen. I think it just last word and we'll wrap up this conversation. I think the reason we can have hope is because we have the precedents throughout history. Mm. We need to have a long view here. Um, It was the the Daniel standing up to Nebuchadnezzar uh, saying, I won't bow down to the cultural idols. Mm. It was the apostles in the first century risking their lives. And when they were told to shut up and to not preach the gospel, that they literally risked their lives for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we've seen when the kingdom of God was on the brink of extinction, whether it was through captivity or through what I call the... Uh, ancient cancel culture of the Roman Empire. Mm. Uh, it was the men and women of God being faithful, exercising their faith in the public square that led to the greatest movement this world has ever seen—the uh, movement and the spread of Christianity. So we need to have hope. We need to live our lives in such a way that we know how the story ends. Yes, uh, we need to be bold about our faith. We need to preach the truth in love and realize that. Christ builds His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. To don't coward, don't shrink back, but to be bold. Be bold in their witness to Jesus Christ in the public square, in the marketplace, for the sake of the kingdom of God.
1: And God's providence, the truth seems to have that characteristic. It's like that piece of grass that is broken through the pavement. Uh, it it just finds a way through, even uh, no matter how hard the surface is. And and that little piece of grass coming up in the playground. That's how truth works. God always uses a. Remnant. And we're,
0: we're praying for that remnant to wake up and uh, to answer the call of God uh, in this cultural moment. Amen. Well, John, that's all we ha- all the time we have for today. I want to thank our audience for listening to this episode of the City of God podcast, made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. This is a weekly podcast. You can listen to all of the podcasts recorded at our website, cityofgodpodcast.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen To podcasts and be sure to watch the video version on our YouTube page as well. Be sure to share this podcast with family and friends or anyone you think might be interested in navigating the cultural issues of our day from a biblical worldview. I want to thank you again for listening and God bless you.